to be quite honest with you, there's a mixed bag. So there are some people who are very anxious and want to come back and they're excited about coming back. There are some people who are anxious about coming back into our schools. Our area's largest school district grappling with combating coronavirus while educating students. The move to begin the school year virtually, a tough decision for CPS and parents. I completely understand where they're coming from. It's just gonna be really hard on some of us parents. A decision the district says was made to protect students, teachers, and their loved ones. I am thrilled by the district's decision um, because I love my job. Um, and I love my students, but I also um, love my mother-in-law and my aunt and uncle, and I need to be of service to them as well. On this edition of Let's Talk Cincy, a frank conversation with the CPS superintendent about the return to school and the pandemic's impact on other school districts. From WLWT, this is Let's Talk Cincy, presented by Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. This school year begins with tough choices and emotional challenges that impact educators, parents, and students. Everyone is trying to safely navigate in this strange new world of COVID-19. Hello everyone, I'm Curtis Fuller. Blended learning, remote or in-person lessons, these are the terms we've become all too familiar with leading up to this school year. Everyone is impacted. But when you are one of the largest school districts in the state of Ohio, the challenges are overwhelming. Molly Lair goes one-on-one -on -one with the superintendent about the uncertain road ahead. While students learn from home, teachers return to the classroom. A lot of our parents talked about uh, the, the misalignment from classroom to classroom and their experience was so different for, for their students that we believe that it is best for our teachers and our staff to be in our schools. To be quite honest with you, there's a mixed bag. So there are some people who are very anxious and want to come back, and they're excited about coming back. There are some people who are anxious about coming back into our schools. Still, Mitchell says 98% of teachers reported to work Monday. And when the absentee rate is higher, Mitchell says the district has a bank of subs ready to step in. Most decisions have ripple effects for families in the district, but some go beyond CPS. Although Cincinnati Public has um, just over 36,000 uh, students, we actually transport 40,000 kids a day. While CPS is online only, high school students from charter, parochial, and private schools will have to use Metro Route. Extra bus service will return when CPS students are back in the buildings. Mitchell says some decisions may be unpopular, but her first priority is the students. What changed your mind to move from a blended plan to complete distance learning for the first five weeks? So first of all, we looked at the positivity rate for the city of Cincinnati, and we want to be around the five to six percent. And when we looked at the data, we were at 7.7 percent a couple of weeks ago. And so we want that positivity rate to, to be down a little bit lower. Um, we also looked at um, the turnaround time that it actually takes for us to get test results. And for us, it is um, anywhere from, we've experienced anywhere from three days to 14 days, which is a pretty big window um, to leave open in terms of confirmed cases. And so people we felt could be walking around and actually have 
COVID and not know it since there was such a long period of time to get the test results back. And so we counted back 14 days to see if from that point 14 days ago till today, if we're actually seeing a trend in downward confirmed cases. So is the number actually going down in terms of confirmed cases? And we wanted to be able to see a decline over consecutive multiple days. And so we had not seen that um, that data come to bear. Uh, our system in, in the city of Cincinnati is unstable. And so it's up and down, up and down. I believe that we've actually turned a bit of a curve um, in terms of it going down, but we wanted to be able to see consistent days that the data was moving downward in terms of confirmed cases. Okay, and speaking of those confirmed cases, when this decision was made, we know Hamilton County was in red on that statewide coronavirus heat map. Now it's orange. We know that there is that downward trend when it comes to number of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths, and it's really steadily declined since July. So at this point, when will you feel confident students can safely return to school? So we're constantly looking at the data. We actually look at the data twice a day. I get a report twice a day from the Cincinnati Health Department, and we're looking at that curve to make sure that the data is moving down in terms of confirmed cases. Um, so we are going to look um, and do another analysis on September the 14th to see if we have the opportunity to move back to face-to-face -face instruction, which would be the blended model by the end of the month. Um, so around uh, September 28th. Okay, and we all know it was difficult to transition to virtual learning in the spring. So how has the district been able to improve upon that learning experience for this upcoming school year? So in the spring, um, COVID-19 took all of us by surprise in terms of a pandemic. So we found out one week, I believe it was on a Thursday, that the last day for school would be that following Monday. And so we didn't have time to deploy all of our devices so that all of our kids have devices. We also didn't have the opportunity to get Wi-Fi up and operating for all of our families who needed that, um, that work done within their homes. In addition, we didn't really have the coherence and alignment from classroom to classroom, from school to school, that our parents said that they really needed to see happen. And so over the course of the last several months, um, actually the beginning of April, we made a pivot to focusing on the upcoming school year. So we've been working on our plan for the upcoming school year in the event we had to go to distance learning. So now pre-K through 12th grade, all of our students will have devices We've been deploying them all summer long. We've been uh, we've given out thousands of devices and with a significant partnership with the Greater Cincinnati Foundation, as well as Cincinnati Bell, we have a wonderful partnership for free Wi-Fi for any CPS family. Now, we will have more with Laura Mitchell later in the show. Hear what she has to say about some of the challenges from computer screen time to the tough decision about sports. Up next, the two different ways to learn during this pandemic. Students tell us what it's like to learn in person and remotely when Let's Talk Sensi returns. This unusual school year has families, students, and staff making the best out of altered plans. Thousands have returned to class all over Greater Cincinnati. John London paid a visit to the largest high school in the state. It's located in Mason as the doors opened to students. 
The water fountains are off limits. So are the cushions students used to plop down on. And the reminders about pandemic protocol hang in every hallway. Safe distance, high five, right? But in Dale Connor's journalism class... Safe distance, high five. We can still touch them without touching them. Safe distance, high five. The first day of the new school year feels comfortably familiar. Normally, Mason High would be teeming with 3,500 students on day one. It's 1,400 this time during a staggered first week. The rest are online. It's going to be an autumn of adjustment everywhere students turn. Lunch tables are spread out, numbered, and retrofitted with dividers. There will be assigned seating to facilitate contact tracing if need be. Here's something new to the curriculum of 2020, an outside mask break. Students in Steve Prescott's Advanced Placement Microeconomics class found some shade and a little downtime. Everything in economics is about a choice. Voting unanimously to stay out here a little longer as long as they kept their distance. I got a watch going, you got three minutes. This is his 29th year teaching. I promised my wife that I would wear a shield when I'm inside in the classroom and having a mask on. Although students don't get to see the full face smiles of teachers from last spring, they still have a sense of them. Even as a teacher, when I start talking to kids and they start talking to me, um, it seems like it just melts away any of that anxiety they had. The sign out front reads, we are in this together. The Comets know it's not a regular orbit this year, but part of life's journey anyway. I was fired up today when kids started walking in. It was like, let's get back to it. I'm John London reporting for Let's Talk Cincy. And you know, we are in this together. It's an adjustment for students learning in classrooms, and it's also a learning curve for kids studying remotely. We went to Kenton County on the first day of classes where all students are learning virtually. We spoke with three students who told us what it's like when your home is now your classroom. I mean, I would rather go to school. I learn better at school rather than through a computer, but at the same time, like, I feel like this is the best that they can do and I think it'll like compared to the end of last year it was nowhere compared to this like since I'm doing school for eight hours now like it wasn't really anything near what this was for yeah, last year. I feel like I'll eventually get tired of it but for now this is what I have to get used to so I think that I'll I'll adjust to it. First day I don't really know how I'm feeling so far but I think I'll adjust to it. I mean it's good to me like it's the same all you do is work but I mean, I would rather go into school. Um, the internet's been going off and on. It's a lot glitchy. I think it's because like we have two internets and like one, if two people are on the same one, then it lags. Are you able to see your classmates and your teacher and talk about technically how's it working like that? So your teacher sends you out a link and then you join that link and then all your classmates, you can see their face on there and then they just teach and do what they need to do. Are you happy to see your friends? Are you, these are new people too, right? Um, that's the one downside. Like I've kind of actually liked it because I like so much wasted time during the school day so that like once the teacher's done, like I went upstairs and cleaned my room for a minute or I went and did something, but yeah, you don't, well, you don't see your classmates as much, but. With different teachers, like, you get to do different stuff when you, like, when the, when the call is, like, ending, you get to, like, do different, like, sign languages to your friends and stuff, and I got to do a couple of them. It's good to see him. Yeah. They hadn't seen him for a long time, some of them. I haven't seen a couple of them for, like, since last year, like, when school. It's tough on our kids, no doubt about it. Up next, more of our one-on-one -on -one with the leader of one of the state's largest school districts when Let's Talk Sensei continues.
as noted, the Cincinnati Public School District is one of the largest in Ohio with nearly 36,000 students, 3,000 teachers. And this year, this district will be adding two new schools, Rising Stars Academy and Mozart Lighthouse School. Getting ready for the technological needs for the district has not been easy at all with 30,000 laptops distributed. Well, Molly Lair continues her one-on-one -on -one interview with CPS Superintendent Laura Mitchell. The superintendent shares her thoughts on fall sports, but first, the challenge of avoiding too much screen time for students. At the high school level, our high schoolers will be assigned to specific classes like you would in school in terms of bells. And you will go into that bell virtually with your teacher and your classmates and you will learn. And so you may do that for a two hour block of time. And then you may have a break to do independent study or work on projects. And then your next bell is scheduled. And so we've worked really hard to make sure that our kids um, don't have too much exposure to screen time, but at the same time have access to their teachers as well as their um, classmates. At the elementary level, we're setting up classes for each content area as well, but we're limiting the number of um, hours that a child is on a screen or has screen time each day. And then there's an opportunity for independent work as well as workbook work, project work, playing their instruments, uh, yoga online, meditation and so there are a lot of varieties um, that we're offering our parents to really break up the day to limit screen time but um, to still connect our kids to our staff members and also connect to their classmates all right let's move outside the classroom a little and talk about extracurriculars well over the course of the last couple of months we have had confirmed cases among our athletes and so we um, allowed our athletes um, in accordance with the Ohio Athletic Association to allow our students to still condition and train with their coaches. And we've had some confirmed cases. We've had nine students with confirmed cases of COVID. Now we can't say that they actually contracted it while they were in practice or training, um, but we know that there's that opportunity for the, for the students to actually be exposed and to contract COVID and, and also to be able to spread COVID. Um, we believe that we need to, at this point in time, um, not move forward with uh, fall sports, uh, particularly as it relates to contact sports. And so um, we're quite honestly, we're taking a, a lot, uh, uh, a lead or the lead from or nod from universities who have canceled fall sports um, because they are they're risking um, students being exposed or athletes being exposed to COVID-19. So what we are going to do though, is allow our students to con continue to condition and train. And the reason that we're doing that is in the event that we're able to um, open fall sports up towards the end of September, we don't want there to be injuries because the kids were not conditioned and well-trained and ready to go into that sport. The other reason we are going to allow training and conditioning to continue is that we know that for many of our kids, there's such a strong connection between them and their coaches and their um, fitness trainers that we don't want to take everything away from our young people. This is already an extremely difficult time for them. Uh, as you know, high schoolers, especially little kids too, they're very social and they want to be with their friends and they want to talk. And so we believe that if we can um, have the kids train outside when it's 
when they're able to train outside, depending on the weather, and make sure that we have all of the precautionary measures in place that we can continue with that training. There will be limited training that will also allow to happen indoors, but again, it will be with all the precautionary measures in place. But we felt that this was an area that we didn't want to compromise in terms of contact sports, but we wanted to make sure that our kids have a physical outlet and can connect with each other and their coaches. To continue on with the sports topic, you mentioned earlier when discussing returning to schools, you'd like to see that 14-day benchmark of things declining. Um, how does that relate to athletics then? Because in speaking with a lot of these student athletes, for them, they see their future dwindling as their opportunities to showcase their talents on the field are taken away from them. What's the chance that this is revisited before that five-week period is up? So there's a possibility. I did receive a request from the athletic directors and coaches to consider a possible move back to sports, um, actual contact sports before the 14th. And so um, I did leave that option to continue to look at the data and to see if we can move back to sports before that time, because I do understand that the end of September, we're close to mid-October, in which I believe that's about the time that uh, fall sports would end at the high school level. And so we're, we're open to, I'm open to revisiting that um, conversation. Lastly, I just kind of want to get your perspective on all of this. You're a product of Cincinnati Public Schools. So how has that background impacted your decision making when it comes to the 36,000 kids? I mean, you've been in their shoes. Yes. So um, as we've made decisions, we've thought about what's truly in the best interest of our kids. And um, despite the fact that we're in a pandemic, our students, they still need to thrive. They need to achieve. They need to graduate. They need to be able to have a life beyond CPS. And so our decisions are really grounded in thinking about our students first. And our first priority is to keep our students safe. And then our second priority is to accelerate academic achievement and learning for them. But we know that we need to make up the ground that was lost last year because at the end of the day, our kids have to have hope. They have to have a future beyond CPS. They have to have a future and see themselves beyond this pandemic. And that is what fuels us and keeps us going every day. But we have our eyes keenly turned on our students. What's in their best interest? And next, making sure students don't go hungry while learning at home. The program offering free meals to kids in one school district. Middletown City students have started this year learning remotely and school officials have also started a special program to make sure students have enough to eat while learning at home. Megan Mitchell spoke with the school's food service director to learn more about the free meal program. This is something that unique uh, that is unique to Middletown that you guys are really implementing to try and help out all students. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, what we're trying to do is since the students won't be coming into the buildings themselves, they'll be doing remote learning at home or virtual. Um, we wanted to make sure that they still got breakfast and lunch and what would work for them because when you do the remote learning, you have a lunch break, but it's not really enough for them to 
leave their homes, come to one of the schools and pick it up. Plus, do parents really want them doing that or anything? So we tried to figure it out. So we came up with the idea that we would have one day pickup and you can pick up for five meals. So on Mondays, either 10 to 12 or 3.30 to 5.30 at any of the school buildings, doesn't have to be the one that your child attends, they can come and pick up five meals for, their, well, five breakfasts and lunches, five days worth of meals that will keep them through the week. So while they're learning, they can just grab it out of the refrigerator or wherever so that they can continue to have their meals. Our rate for what the free and reduced program is very high. So it's over 60% and some it's 90% of our schools. So we are part of the state CEP program, which is your community eligibility program. So all students in Middletown eat free. No one has to pay for a meal because of that poverty rate. So we wanted to make sure these are children who definitely need these meals, which very much worried us. How are we gonna get them to them and everything with the COVID and you know safety regulations and social distancing and everything. So we found that this might be the best way. The meals themselves, um, are they, you know, they, they have all the food groups and that type of thing or? Yes, we have to follow the um, government rules. Okay. So it has your fruit, your vegetables, your milk, your juice, your protein, your grains, everything of the regulation is if you were at school, it's part of the school lunch and breakfast program. And then we try to make it exciting like um, having a lunch that what we call is a, like a pizza lunchable that has a flatbread in it, has pepperoni, it has sauce, and it has cheese, and you make your own. So you could either stick it in the microwave or you can eat it cold. So we do try and definitely try and entice them so that they do have meals that they enjoy, but staying within the government regulations. Now you can go to any school to pick up that free meal. The first uh, time you must bring an ID and proof of how many students you have in the district, such as report cards or student IDs, visit the Middletown City School website for more information. Well, that does it for the program. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Sensi. We want to hear from you. Email us your ideas at LTC at WLWT.com. And remember, you can always watch full episodes or get more information on WLWT.com slash Let's Talk Cincy. You can also listen to Let's Talk on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thanks for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Cincy.